The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Take Cast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by professional skateboarder Walker Ryan. Uh, Walker also just wrote a book called Top of Mason. Uh, If you're interested in reading the book, you can find the link to purchase that book in the show notes in the description of the podcast. We had a a pretty wide-ranging conversation about the book, the world of professional skateboarding, you know, the coronavirus, just uh, uh, many different topics were touched, but uh, this was a a pretty special episode to me. I definitely have a a very big place in my heart for skateboarding, and I think that a lot of you guys will enjoy the episode. I think Walker was a fascinating guest. I think he had a lot of very interesting things to say, and I I hope that you guys enjoy it. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe on patreon.com slash takecast for bonus episodes, or you can just leave a rating or review on uh, you know, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. And now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone. Very excited to welcome in Walker Ryan, professional skateboarder to the show, professional skateboarder and author. Uh, I, I read Walker's book, Top of Mason, of which there is a link to purchase in the description to the show. I, I have to say, I was very surprised. I, I think I saw you post about the book on Instagram. And it was, I was kind of just one of those things where I was like uh, a book about skateboarding from a professional skateboarder. It feels very uh, marketed to my niche interest. So very <laughs> excited uh, to talk about the book with you, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. And um, yeah, thanks for reading the book. It's, it's a trippy feeling. Every, anytime I talk to somebody who's like read it start to finish, it's like, whoa, that's a lot of time you dedicated <laughs> i appreciate it yeah so I'm uh, stoked. well it's it's i guess what's interesting is even more to make this about me is that i i grew up wanting to both be a professional skateboarder and a writer those were like the two things oh, cool that i really wanted to do i i went to college i was a lit major uh, not even actually a lit major even even more um pedantic i was a, a creative writing major and and wrote oh, lots of yeah, wrote, wrote lots of very bad um, short stories and stuff in my time. And, you know, maybe it'll still be something that I would do. But as you know, it's pretty hard to write a book. Like it's it's not it's not an easy process to write the book. So that that's where I want to start is like, where yeah, did the germination of this idea come from? Like how like where where did the idea to write the book? Do you remember like a moment of being like, oh, I, I can do this? Well, it was it, I really don't have a moment like that. It was very much little by little. It started with, you know, I, so for me, at least, like I never really thought of myself as a, at least for fiction, much of a writer. Like I just didn't have ideas. Like I, I, fiction is so dependent on like really just getting weird in your mind. And I just, I didn't do that naturally. And so, you know, probably when I was 20, about like 22, 23, when I was living in San Francisco, um, one of my best friends, his name's Nick Henry. We, we decided to sit down and try to write like a pilot for a TV show. You know, we thought like, oh man, it'd be so cool to see skating represented in, in a, in a, you know, a television show in a way that's kind of funny, sort of pokes fun at it. doesn't take itself too seriously. And so that, you know, we were going to just, we, we wrote a couple episodes then we we're going to film it ourselves but it just became impossible to schedule that and figure out like skaters to act and all, all this stuff but while doing that it sort of sparked another idea for a, a short that I thought would be easier to just write myself and not try to I, script writing didn't come naturally but I'm a lover of the novels and I was I feel like that was post-college and I started reading more for fun and so I just started thinking like maybe a little skate story could happen in the form of a really it was just like a short story at the time. But as I got to like, I don't know, 
50 pages in and sort of felt like this is the first section actually more of like a longer story like a, a broader plot started forming I guess and so yeah that was like I mean I'm 30 to writing when I was like 25 and yeah. so yeah just little by little you know I would like form most of the story just in my head and then when I found time um, I was traveling a ton during this time and I would sort of just crank out little sections and eventually it was to a point where I started feeling confident enough to show it to people and they encouraged me to keep going and and yeah like after years of editing and tweaking and revising I uh I decided to just put it out so that's kind of the (laughs) yeah well, because the the life of a professional skateboarder, at least as I understood it, which was from a, I mean, from afar, but like I I knew people who went on to become professional skateboarders. Like the uh, Sean Malto and I are the same age, and I grew up oh, cool. in a, so I grew up in a small town in Kansas. So Sean nice. Malto was like he was like our our Jesus, you know, like he was oh, like the sure. the guy the guy from uh, he's from a, a place called Leavenworth, Kansas, which is outside of like you know a small town kid. Yeah. probably but who who did who did the thing like and yeah. so you know knowing what and he i mean he is like a, a superstar like you know mountain oh, dew sponsorships totally. and and nike and everything so his is even further but you know kind of the way i understood it is like you you basically don't really live anywhere you are just constantly you are in a in a van going across the united states or staying in a hotel with six dudes in japan like there's not yep. there's not a lot of like a quiet solitude time where you'd have to sit and reflect about writing basically right yeah and and if that's that's how I view you know really maximizing a professional skateboarding career just traveling traveling like never saying no to a trip that was my approach for at least like a good good five six years but you know there there is a lot of downtime and there is a lot of like even on trips if you you know I'm sometimes on trips I'm the early riser so I got like three hours you know, to find a cafe and just be by myself or like, I don't know, like I really enjoy the, I would say like most of this was actually written on planes or airports for me in the beginning. Yeah. Because that's just such a nice dead time where it's, you don't have any distractions really. And yeah, so it kind of lended itself to the process somewhat. Like um, I also just kept this very secret though. Like not many people knew I was even working on it. So you can, you know, you're, you're, clocking away on a a laptop you don't really have to reveal much you're just like oh yeah he's writing emails or something so I would kind of on trips sometimes like hide away and do that and it was a lot of times on trips that you know I'd feel the most inspired because what I my goal was to create a story that captured um, somewhat of the skateboarding industry in a way that I hadn't read read about or seen in movies I guess and so I just you know like what better and and you know the protagonist is a character who was a you know aspiring pro but never really made it it's sort of just I in in traveling I'm around those people so much not not you know a lot of them do make it but just a I'm around a variety of characters to you know draw inspiration from I'd say so that was a yeah that was probably when I you know like when at least for the for the structure of the story and the initial like writing process where 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 it kicked off yeah I mean, I, I, I can certainly say in my own life um, and having gone through, I mean, I've been skateboarding for, if I'm 28 now, 15 plus years at this point. I know yep. so many guys like mm-hmm. Henry Phillips, right? The guys, oh, who totally. were, the guys who were good, the guys who will tell you about like, oh, dude, I kickflip back lip this set and it was so yep. close. And, you know, yeah. I, I, had, I had a meeting with company X, Y, and Z and it went poorly and it, and it never quite happened for me and then and, you know those dudes yeah. they still they still show up at the skate park they're still around but you know it yep. just and shit I mean I guess I'm kind of like one of those guys where like I have my I, <laughs> I do I do other stuff now but I have my my war stories from back totally. in the day in a little bit because it's so skateboarding is so interesting in the sense of like in terms of a day-to-day life someone who's a really good skateboarder but has a different job and someone who's a really good skateboarder and is a pro skateboarder their day-to-day life especially in the city where they live when they're not traveling can actually be very similar yeah totally <laughs> which and so for you for you when did you, you you said you were you were hooked up and sponsored and getting some like what was your i i'd say i guess like the peak for you when you felt like you were the most hyped or like potentially 
taken it somewhere. So when I was I probably like 14, 15, 16, um, cool. me and a buddy who is really good now and moved somewhere where skateboarding is more popular and is still kind of trying to make it. Yeah. We would, you know, we would go to Kansas City. We filmed, uh, we filmed the video. Like we made, we made a whole, you know, 50 minute video of us and our friends. And we were sending out sponsor me tapes and stuff. I actually had a very fortuitous meeting with Chris Roberts, who is. No way. Well, now he's like so famous, which is crazy because yeah. Chris Roberts and I, this is how, this is how old I am. We used to be friends on MySpace and we would communicate via MySpace because we met at a demo and Hell he, yeah. he and Mike Carroll gave me some boxes and like sent me some shoes and stuff. Damn. And we, and we had a local skate shop as well um, that would give us, you know, that would give us boards and everything. So that, yeah. you know, the, these little, we were just little skate rats, you know, we always needed boards we always needed shoes and stuff. Yep. So that was, that was kind of the peak. But I also like Gary in the book, I was also very into drugs. Like, okay. I got really, and I, I got clean, went to, went to rehab and everything, but like, yeah, take, taking that time off and then not, be, not doing drugs anymore. And like it, it, I, so I guess kind of for me, I peaked at like 16, 17. And then after that, like, I was like this, it's just not going to happen for me. Like I just yeah. am going to be a, but there was definitely probably like a year period where I thought like, Oh, I'll, I'll be a pro skateboarder. That's cool. though. It just, just to get a box from like the source like that, you know, like from so the cool pros is the coolest, you know, like just you can hang that on your mantle in a way that's like, and that was at the time, like the company you'd want to get stuff from. So that's sick. Yeah, I, 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 I actually don't know. I know that you started out with Organica and, yeah. and uh, K, the KO Corporation, which was, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't girl chocolate then, but they were, they were so the KO Corporation, they were one of the first ones that realized that skateboarding has like this very cool urban um, like streetwear like appeal. And so they had a lot of like cool clothes and a lot of their advertisements and videos were like the your first part. I, well, the first part oh, I remember yeah. watching was Concrete Jungle. Well, oh, yeah. What was your what was your story like with them? With Organica? Yeah. So, yeah. So I met Carl Watson at a demo i actually met him years before because i'm from napa which is just an hour north of san francisco so going into san francisco there'd always be like pro skater sighting so yeah i saw carl a couple times over the years as a as a super grom but when i was like 17 i gave him a tape at a demo and or it was like a jam session in sacramento something i can't even remember what the purpose of that demo was but i was there i gave him a dvd and he gave it to the people at ko and they actually started they were psyched and they started sending me expedition boards for like a year yeah and then i met adelmo jr who had heard about me getting boards from ko but thought like you know you should really ride for organica and i think that's what carl intended too but you know it was just one of those things ko was sort of a big big plant and all these little brands and they always right be like oh you know maybe he fits here better and Adelmo told them like no 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 I talked to Walker he wants to get on Organica which I was like psyched on because I did yeah and then I it switched and I started getting Organica boards and I don't know what would have happened had I not moved to San Diego for college because even though like the perception of Organica even to me was like a Bay Area company because it was Carl Watson was the founder yeah, exactly everything was actually based in San Diego and so I moved down for college and then through sort of just the small world that is skateboarders and filmers, I ended up on a session with a filmer for KO, this guy, Dana Shaw. He then like really made an effort to film with me and that really expedited like getting on officially. So it was, it was a lot, kind of a lot of luck there or just like good, like, cause I didn't, that wasn't an intentional maneuver. Like, Ooh, I'm going to yeah. go to college in San Diego. So I'm close to KO. You know, it was just like a, it just was the best college I got into. And then it so happened to be there. So um, that's really how that, that came together. And then once, yeah. So once I was down there filming, we, you know, a lot of those first clips I got with Dana ended up in concrete jungle. Uh, I think I could almost name it too. It was like this nollie flip off a loading dock into a bank. That's the exact one I was talking about. The, the that's nose cool. Manny nollie flip. Oh man. I yep. was, I remember being so hyped on, on that back in the day yep. watching that part yeah. it's so good yeah that's cool yeah and so there's like um yeah so that's that's how that came together and that was again like i mean even 
to relate to your story, you know, like I wasn't so confident at 18, 19 that skating was really going to pan out and I wasn't going to go pro or anything. I'd sort of like accepted like, all right, I'll go to college and see what happens, but most likely just go to college for, you know, a job afterwards, you know, go to college, get an education, see, see where I can land. Always hoping, I always hoped it would be somewhere in skateboarding, but you know, it was sophomore year that I started getting paid by Organica and then end of sophomore year, I had like a couple other paychecks coming in. So then it was like junior. I'm like, okay, this is, this might happen. Like, but I may as well finish college and just do it while I'm in San Diego is like an epicenter. So it was, it was, it was really cool that it worked out. I was hyped. Well, I mean, and also I guess if I understand this right, and maybe I don't, like I, I can't remember, you know, pouring through the pages of Transworld and Thrasher back in the day and hearing yeah. about a ton of guys who went to college. Like, and that's not to say that skateboarders are stupid. I don't think they yeah. are. Like, generally speaking, they're not a super literate bunch, but right. I I actually did always perceive that skateboarders had a a, a very strict sense of like social justice like i remember yeah i remember like steve barrett interviews of him being like stuff going on in this country like literally like 2004 being like yeah. stuff going on in this country is fucked but i mean you had to have been the only one that you were out filming and skating with who was also going to college right at the time it definitely felt like that and you know especially because that was kind of how i was marketed to all the you know like in oh, the yeah. magazines I was sort of like the kid that's going to college and like that wouldn't be the case if I wasn't sort of like one of the only ones you know like it would have someone else would have hopped on it there were a couple guys I knew about as a kid who you know went to colleges and went to like UC's like actually Phil Shaw was the one that stuck out to me because he was at UC Berkeley um when he I think when he died actually he was young but he he was like there so that I knew of it happening but I knew it was kind of a novelty um and yeah I was always felt a little uncomfortable about how it was like used to promote my skating but it's like I kind of saw it for what it was and you know everyone needs their little their little gimmick in a sense and that was kind of mine in college but uh that um yeah I don't know I I like that it's how it seems to be much more normalized like you'll hear about dudes coming up and maybe one question in their interview mentions how they're like finishing college and it's like oh cool like that's just like what they're doing like and kind of kind of like you were saying you know there's people who are going for skating working a job the whole time like I always saw it like that like I could be working a job or I could be going to college and for whatever reason like am skaters trying to come up like tend to just view you know moving out to California wherever the hot spot is yeah they gotta do a it shitty job working a shitty job until they start making the money from skating and you know like that can be done through school in ways as well. Like, I mean, I was fortunate to have, you know, my grandma had set some money aside so I could go to college and, you know, like that tuition was, was covered. So that afforded me a little bit more, you know, like time where I didn't also have to work too much. Like I worked a coffee shop job when I was like, before I started getting paid from skating and going to school. But, you know, it's one of those things I always tell kids, like if you, don't be discouraged about college if you do think you can go and you have the resources to get somewhere. You like use that just as much yeah. as you would, um, you know, just the commitment to a to like a place for the sake of being close to skateboarding or the industry. So it's it's a um, yeah, it's a it's a funny one. I wish there was a little bit, still a little bit more, um, a few more stories that reminded kids that you don't have to because it goes both ways. Like some kids, you know, they, they are put on the road. They're put on tour at like 16, 16. Yeah. School's not really going to happen that way or college. It's just not realistic. Like the, the demands are too high, but if you can manage it, you know, I I say, I say, go for it. I remember um, Jeremy Rogers being one of the first guys I read it being like, I'm not going to no fucking school. Like I'm not like, (laughs) I I don't, I don't care about doing any of that. Well, and it, it is different. Well, from the outside, it seems that the pro skater world is a little bit different now because theoretically, like honestly, mostly because of Instagram and YouTube, like you don't have to live in Southern California anymore. You don't have to live in San Francisco. Like you can right. live, totally you can live in, yeah. yeah, you can live in New York or Minneapolis or Kansas City or wherever, and yeah. you can get clips and, you know, you can have a filmer and, and I mean, you can go on the trips and everything, but you can all like, 
you, or, or even back then, like you literally had to go to Southern California just to meet the right people, like to right. meet the people who ran the companies. And now like, if you're just like a disgustingly good Instagram ripper, like you could live anywhere and it just wouldn't matter. Totally. Yeah. No, hundred percent. It's completely changed. And it's almost more appealing now if you are that kid who skates the random skate park and kills it and posts on Instagram or skates your random, random city in the Midwest mm -hmm. or wherever it is in the world. And it's like, Oh, those spots are more interesting than the blown out shit. You'll that everyone skates already in LA and same, you know, same with the park. So it's like, it can work to your benefit nowadays. I mean, there's still going to be some needed FaceTime, some needed like interactions, but you can build your hype in a, in a way that you never could before on your own. You know, you can become, yeah. a, become like, a little Insta celebrity. You might not be getting paid by your sponsors, but you're, you're on people's radar, you know? Yeah. Like that, that to me is one of, from like when I was growing up to now, one of the things that seems the most different about the skateboarding world is like how much literally like the world of skateboarding owes to Instagram. Cause it's, it's totally. the perfect, it's the perfect format. These guys don't have to talk that much. If literally nope. their only interest in life is skateboarding, like yeah. uh six skateboarding posts with like a, an emoji caption and like all yeah. it is like, all you see of this dude is him just ripping. And that's, that's yeah. all there is. Like it's yeah, a, it's the cool. most perfect marketing tool. Yeah, it's it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I want to I want to come back to the book a little bit here. It's uh, which, by the way, everyone should read. It's it's uh, 250 pages. You'll you'll knock it out in a week. It's it's very engaging. So I, I'm wondering, obviously, there's some stuff in there that is very much fiction and, and not autobiographical. But I just am kind of yeah. wondering, um, like, how much of it was drawn off of your own experiences, your own life? Like, how many are things are you like, oh, that would be like this segment of my life would be a good inspiration for, you know, moment X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It's a good question. I mean, there's, it's, it's all over the place. You know, I feel like each character draws a little bit from thoughts I've had or personal experiences I've had. I mean, the protagonist, you know, he's going through a bad breakup and that's sort of the, you know, like the kickstart to the story. And that is definitely something I drew from um, his personal experiences as an aspiring skateboarder are more drawn from people I've been around. You know, he's like, the things he gets into on and off the board, I would kind of describe as like some of my biggest fears. So that's sort of where, yeah. where it's like where I see someone bomb the scariest hill or hop on an insanely kinked handrail. Like that's not me or it never has been as a skateboarder, but I've watched those people, you know, perform that kind of stuff and I'm just blown away so it's it's just a good mixture with everyone you know and even with Gary like I've never personally had any um like hard drug really like hard drug experiences or um I've never been addicted but I can you know draw from the friends I've had who have dealt with that and come out on the other end to share those stories or have shared stuff with me while you know dealing with it and I can also draw from you know I drop from my own you know alcohol and other things that I like do partake in so it's it's just for each one it's a it's a big composite I'd say a good mixture um but so yeah does that answer the question yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um yeah. I mean that and uh I thought that was a cool angle to take in the mm -hmm. book the the stuff with Gary because drugs are so prevalent in yeah. skateboarding and my guess is probably less so now that skateboarding is it's counterculture ish now but it's like not like just like being a skateboarder is not counterculture like you could skateboard right, right. to high school and no one would be like oh he's a he's a bad kid whereas like back in 10 years ago it was definitely counterculture and 15 20 years ago it was it was like actually like for real counterculture yeah. but now like everyone wears vans nike like you know a nike adidas new balance like there's so much corporate money in there but like you oh, know yeah. the the first time I ever smoked weed was at a skate park for sure. And yeah. you know, old, old, older dudes bought me beers and cigarettes and things like yep. that. Like that, that was just kind of the way skateboarding was then, which obviously for some people leads down a really negative path because your, your whole app do this, like the man wants right. me to do, which leads yeah. you into like being very okay. Just doing a lot of drugs. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's, that's the interesting thing about the character of Gary is like, I kind of wanted to show showcase like the not so like heavily seasoned 
you know, street person or, or addict that you might, that you see a lot of in, in San Francisco, but more so the person who's like, you look at it and think like, how the fuck are you living like that? But they're like loving it. You know, there's still like this right. excitement to the, to the life. Um, and that's just super interesting to me and something I've seen a lot of. Um, and yeah, I, I'm curious, like how you felt that character came through. Yeah, I think he I think it came through very authentically because you're like he is a he is a street person, but not a street person due to mental illness, which like obviously there's a lot of that in San Francisco. I mean, there's a lot of that yeah. everywhere, yeah. Um, but he, he is a, 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 he lives on the street via addiction because all of his money uh, yeah. goes to to drugs. And that type of person, as long as they are not, you know, so far mentally deteriorated from the drugs can often um, you know, think of themselves as like above owning property, like owning property right. is a sham. Like you're, you're, you're paying, you know, yep. so much and you're paying so much in taxes and it's a sham because of X, Y, and Z. And like, they're, they're well-read yeah. and like all yeah. of these things. So that, that actually came across to me very authentically, like, oh yeah, I, I can see, you know, people I have known or, or at least a composite of that character being someone yeah. that is authentic and real. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I love to hear that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Now the <laughs> other, it says, go on. Well, the other, the other guy is the, uh, I guess like kind of protagonist, kind of primary character of dev. Now, right. if you, if you don't want to answer this because of, uh, you know, whatever, because of the skateboarding world, but like, he's just Nigel Houston, right? Like that, that was the, that was the vibe I got the, and not, not, let's say not for the second half of the book, but just the, celebrity yeah. started skating when he was 13 is an insane ripper never falls lands everything perfectly like that's just nausea to me yeah i mean a lot of people get that right away and it's really it's really not because the inspo was more this idea of the all uh, do you remember that kid baby scumbag he was on dgk I, like I do YouTube. actually. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like this YouTube star at like 14. Like uh, he was the I went on tour with him for KO and it was just to see his fame at 14. He wasn't even that good of a skateboarder. He was good enough to like get sponsored for as a 14 year old, but he was like super famous. Like it was, we would go on, we would do demos and everyone was there to see him. He would land one trick, the whole demo down the stairs that he would work for the whole time. And the crowd would go wild. There'd be just like tweenies. Like, like it was, it was crazy. And I just thought like, if there was a kid who was, that sort of YouTube star, but also phenomenal at skating, which is totally possible. Like it's going to happen in our, in our lifetime yeah. and, you know, didn't kook it, didn't do anything to like blow it. You know, that is the dev character that I still haven't seen yet. Cause Nyjah is different. I mean, I wanted the dev character to be more of this like performer, you know, like actor kind of, I mean, he's a musician, right. he raps, he does all these all these other things and he's super young and he's a phenom and you know Nigel's more of just that like superstar competitor you know he wins all the contests. yeah he does the contest yeah, yeah he's still he's still got the kind of you know entourage and, and everything but that really he's he's really not the inspiration for the character I just it was more the idea of what happens to a YouTube star who really harnesses his fame all the way into adulthood in skateboarding which we just haven't seen yet you know, most of the kids come through skateboarding all the, the normal channels still, you know, they're right. like filming video parts, going on tour, being the being the Grom who becomes the, the you know, Louis Lopez. Like they're just on the right normal track. And so that was that was the inspiration for the dev character. And I'm sure well, we're going to see it happen soon, you know. Yeah, I mean, skateboarding, I I guess I'm too old for TikTok, but like I can imagine that there is someone with 3 million followers on TikTok who's like a, an average, like a good skateboarder, but maybe not quite there yet, who like, we don't even know who that is because we're right. old and we're not on TikTok, but like that guy is out there. And I also, one of the things that I was thinking of with that character is like that character in real life wouldn't really need sponsors he wouldn't right. need he wouldn't need someone to send him skateboards he wouldn't need someone to send him shoes like he could just do his own thing entirely which is interesting at this time in like overall human history because we're looking at decentralizing everything right yeah. like you know cryptocurrency and bitcoin and and all these things with the non-fungible tokens and everything like there are so many more ways to cut out 
that corporate arm that like right. the dev the dev character if he existed now would just start his own company and just do his own thing and have people pay him directly somehow like that's how yeah. he would exist no totally fascinating yeah and that's kind of what i was hoping hoping to show too is you know he has his own board company it's all his he has his own channels he puts out his own music but then he still you know has the the big athletic shoe brand sponsor because it's a you know it's a legitimizer sort of a, in a way you know you still want that like that marketing that they'll do for you when you're the you know steph curry of their brand so that's like right that was the yeah. sort of and and you know like getting getting deals just to like model for levi's or something like that like you still you, you sort of bridge both those worlds and i don't know it's 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 interesting what's changing yeah. for sure yeah and i mean i i'm i'm very fascinated with all of these processes like as they happen as everything gets more online as everything yeah. gets more decentralized actually that that was a question i wanted to ask you too are are skateboarders into bitcoin is that is that because that's like that's a huge thing on this podcast is we we love bitcoin oh, cool. we talk about bitcoin a lot but oh, that's it, awesome my my guess is probably that skateboarders are they're like into it but they don't they're not into it enough to like really get into the inner workings, but it's just like, fuck yeah, Bitcoin's cool. But like, that's as far as it goes. Yeah. I mean, I don't hear, uh, honestly, I don't hear too many skateboarders talking about actually owning Bitcoin and actually diving into some of these cryptocurrencies. I think they're like fringe interested, but right. most skaters are pretty broke too. And I feel like a yeah. lot of people, with, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people who, who have, you know, been, taking advantage or, or at least we're making the bitcoin thing work like they're a little bit more savvy or you know it can like financially i don't want to say secure but like in in a position to start like hey let me dip my toes in here and start playing and i right. i think some i i mean i'm sure some of some skaters are i can't speak for anyone i just don't hear those conversations too much i've started to see a little bit here and there popping up on people's stories and stuff um right but yeah, it's a it's a whole new world there. I wonder if the NFTs are really gonna take off somehow. Did did Tony Hawk sell one? Like a, a trick? I I feel I feel like he okay he did he um he did his last ever five forty because what he's fifty three now and he got yeah. you know he got he got all padded up and went and did it and it, I he did it as like a charity thing like he sold it and then oh, okay. the money went yeah. the money went to some charity but yeah I, I it actually was do an remember. NFT yeah 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 see, that's Which what, is pretty I'll be, cool I'll be interested to see if the brands and the and riders start doing things like that more for not charity but just for their own just for their own benefit. <laughs> their own hustle yeah um so we'll see but you know I haven't heard about skateboarders uh brands taking bitcoin yet or <laughs> dealing right. in it for their actual sale product but i'm sure it'll happen soon yeah i mean and there are like there are skateboarders who have been like visionaries in terms of the larger culture like totally. keith keith huffnagel who yep. I, rest rest in peace but i mean he started a like basically like a shoe reseller was the was yep. the og idea of what huff was and Huff was like the driver of world fashion for like the last decade. Like yeah. the 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 Dickies and the well, the Dickie style pants and then like the high top shoes and everything that became like the thing for kids to wear. Like that was all from Huff, who's just a skateboarder. Like that's all he was. Yep. And it's and Supreme. I mean, one yeah. of the wildest things to me is knowing about Supreme from skateboarding because they were a skateboard shop, you know, they sponsored Jason Dill and a couple other guys. And then when Tyler, the creator and Earl and everyone started wearing the hats and it, they, it was like, became a thing that everyone wanted to buy Supreme gear and knowing like, that's just a skate shop in New York city. Like that was one of yeah. the weirdest cultural skateboarding things. Yeah. I'll tell you what, like right now, for whatever reason, they're making a big push in San Francisco. And I was, I'm always interested in like the billboards of a city you know and like yeah billboards all around LA are just all movies and television billboards all around San Francisco are all tech companies and um right now in like one of the prime spots if you're looking if you're sitting on the freeway that gets the most jammed up you're looking at the most massive supreme billboard it doesn't say anything besides just the supreme logo in, in, the, in the red and box it's just like I just I sit there in traffic looking like 
looking at that, just thinking like, that is a skate shop. Like, why? What am I doing looking at it where like it's right next to an Airbnb billboard? You know what I mean? It's just like it's weird. Like they're they're on a on a whole they're on a whole different level. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, okay, another thing I wanted to talk about was contests because generally yeah. speaking, this is like a, it's nominally like a sports podcast, but we do I do podcasts about you know whatever whatever cool. I want to do, but most of the time it's a sports podcast, and so I, like you know the most close parallel to like a football game or whatever in skateboarding is the contest, which yeah. Or again, when I was growing up in skateboarding, like that was kind of kook shit. Like caring a lot about contests was kind of lame. And like the first time that Street League was announced, I was like, that's kind of lame. And it feels like that is not the case now. Like it feels like contests are like really cool and people care about the results and are like, oh, you know, it's sick that Sean Malto or Carlos Ribeiro or whoever is like crushing it at this contest like is that one of the largest things you've seen change over your time in skateboarding you know it's it's weird i i feel like it does sort of have that perception that contests really matter and people take it seriously which they do but i i really think that the pro skaters i know or follow closely who who i like know as peers like still put their biggest you know importance the biggest weight in their careers like in their video parts which i just think is it's still kind of kooky to only be a contest guy is my point so like they're just better i think in i think they're just better athletes now like the the top pros because they can juggle killing it at a contest and then getting creative in the streets which is like in my opinion so hard to do to get your tricks dialed so you never miss you know, your handful of like six, seven, 10 tricks and then go and film a video part that's totally progressive. And, you know, you're doing new stuff. You're not just doing your your tricks. And I mean, Nigel's the, I think, a prime example of that. You know, he does not just, he doesn't, he does not need to film video parts that like risk his life and he does it anyway. But he also yeah. trains and prepares for these contests and wins them because he can make a lot of money and he probably wants to win gold medal at the first Olympics, you know? So it's like, yeah. it's just a, I think the skaters who do care about it just balance things better, but I don't think it's been a total shift to where contests matter and street skating doesn't. And that's, what's interesting to me. I think there's the guys on the fringes who just, who just do contests and people still don't really care about them. Care about and them. It, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's it no, like skaters and peers aren't like, damn that was the best run ever like watching that for fun they still want to watch some little video that you know they they yeah still watching the same working on yeah yeah like i mean probably like before i go skate i would be i'll probably go rewatch yeah right before i would watch anything else you know and that's like the skate skateboarding is so much more advanced than it was Mm -hmm. then i mean you know some of the some of the skateboarding videos that like I loved growing up, like that would be, those would be like Instagram clips for, for guys. Now it's like nothing. Yeah, it's like, totally. you could just, you could just go do whatever. Like I actually, from reading the book, I was like, I should go watch Nija his, his parts that are on YouTube again, just cause I kind of don't remember what it's like. And like the things that he does and the things that pro skaters are doing now, like um, Deshaun Jordan just came out with this part. Yeah. Or he got, he's on toy machine. Yeah. And like, He's got this, some tricks that I'm just like, I don't even, like I could have 5,000 tries at that. And I, I don't even know if I'd lock in to like whatever grind he does. Like it's, it's, it's like breaking my brain how good guys are at skateboarding now. Yeah. And he's not shying away from like the hardest spots to skate. You know, he's not just finding like perfect rails. Like Deshaun's a perfect example of that. Like he, he's getting down on the, on the shitty hard to skate spots where timing is tough. I mean, that's another, that's the thing about street skating that's like, so hard to explain to someone who might not it's not just about doing these tricks at these spots like we skaters want to go to spots to like put their you know put their mark on it like him like deshaun with the tray flip nose slide on that yep oceanside hubba it's like that hubba is i mean i've never personally skated it but it's massive and i'm sure it's just a it can be a nightmare to skate it's depending it's right off a train station i think and it depends yeah, there's on the people, people and there could yeah. be wind there's all these like factors that you always have to put into play like so getting a trick isn't just like oh i'll do it 
ton bunch of times at the skate park, get it, do it at the, the perfect skate spot. And that's what's like really, I mean, time consuming is what it comes down to, you know, like you can be a machine and just get your tricks real quick happens for people but a lot of times it means going back over and over again to a spot until all the conditions are right and you get that trick and the fact that that's still important to someone like Deshaun who's on the Olympic team got some he's got some great endorsements he doesn't need in my opinion he doesn't need to put out a toy machine part you know but he did right, it anyway but he did but it anyway but he did it anyway and it's like groundbreaking I mean it's one of the best parts I've seen in years and it's like that's that says something you know he's a he's a young kid who really does take those contests super seriously but he also knows how important it is to to put out a video part for a really cool board company yeah because it's i i guess because kind of what it comes down to is skateboarding is probably more of an art than it is like uh a physical like it, it has it has more in common with like painting than it does like basketball like i i think probably which totally. is interesting yeah because yeah. no, because you're right the the video parts are better I, re- I remember reading an article on um espn once and i i think it was about sean malto but i don't re- i don't know if it was for sure but it was about how skateboarders had been starting to work with their sponsors about like unlike using analytics for their contests like oh you're more Mm -hmm. likely to land this trick these types of tricks impress the judges more so like do more of this do less of that which is basically what analytics is like in pro sports it's like do less of this and do more of that like these things that do the things that work more and more often which is i guess makes sense but also like that brought the kook alarms out to me like i really hope that's not true that skateboarders are working with their sponsors on like like that just sounds so lame to me of like analytics and skateboarding, which I, I guess is yeah. probably how like old baseball guys feel about baseball. They're like, I don't, I don't want, I don't want these analytics in my sport. I just love the game. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's an, it's a, the reality now. I mean, if you want to win those contests or do well in those contests, it's less about just being like the, the best and and working with the scores that are around you, you know, like I, the way that street, I've never really, I've never been in street league, but I think that um, scoring system is what's going to be adopted by the Olympics. And, you know, it's, it's about like, all right, do, do I do this trick that has this probability to get me this point? Or do I do this easy trick because it'll just bump me ahead and I'll just, you know, get into third place rather than risk losing my spot at all. Like I know there's strategy that goes in, into it and there's some so much on the line like so it's it's definitely happening on the low i think whether it's the sponsors or i bet some people have like friends or coaches i mean you would would like literally coaches it would be in your best interest honestly because if you're just there like fuck what trick should i do next and they're like just do a crooked grind dude you're gonna get three points and you're gonna get in this standing and you'll you'll make top five or I, i i assume you know and if they're not uh they're probably wasting their time because there's just so much at stake like i talked to the person i talked to most about this is um my friend alexis sablone because she's you know ranked number two i think in women's for the u.s right now um and you know she's she tells me how she struggles with it because sometimes you know she just wants to do the switch flip down yeah the set, you just want to do something to. sick yeah she yeah. wants to kick flip 50 the hubba Cause it's like, that's her move and it'll be a 10 or a nine or something, but she could just go and do a five Oh and, and still make it, you know? And it's just that like juggling, like, do I win with the kick 50 or do I get third and still some money with the, with the fifth five Oh or something like that. So it's, I, I don't know. Like I, that's a, that's a side of skating that I just don't, I can't speak to from experience. I've been in some contest jams where, I mean, really like I, I would have liked to do more contests, but I never had the financial support to really get to all of them to like yeah. make that happen. Like I didn't have the right, uh, usually it comes down to like a shoe sponsor. Who's going to just like fly you wherever you need fly to fly you wherever I got, I got to a cut. My, my last one was Copenhagen shortly after I turned pro, honestly. And I, I got like seventh or sixth or something like that. And I was, I was in there with the, you know, with with the dudes and it was a really fun feeling and it was a you know like there's there's magic in this like whoa i'm just like landing stuff the pressure's on like this is cool um i went to tampa the following year 
And I think I got third in like a best trick contest, but I blew my run. Um, but like, I, I just never really pushed it that hard or was pushed by my sponsors to like get there. I would have much rather been just like filming video parts. So once the street league thing happened, I was, I mean, I was definitely always wondered like what it'd be like if I was in those, in that position and had to like make those decisions. But I'm also, yeah. I think training for those things or practicing is so boring. Like it's everything I don't like about skating. Like I get like getting trick styled, but the thought of like focusing months of my skating on just like going to the skate park and doing the same thing over and over and over again, I, I don't think I would enjoy it. And that's what that requires for a lot of these dudes. So hats off to them, but it's just a little too boring. Like I would rather go to the skate park and just try something new hundred tries of not making it to just do one and then move on. Like move I don't want to just yeah. do 30 switchbacks. I flipped in a row and get pissed that my flicks off one day and I can only do 20 or, you know, like it's just, it, there's something about it. I just don't, doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. Cause it's just not, it's not an organic experience at all. It's, right. it's just very it's like, yeah, it's practice. It's like going to tennis practice or football practice or whatever, which is like, probably we didn't want to do that, which is why we never did those things in the first exactly. place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Staying like physically ready to go. So you, you said you're 33 now. Yeah. I mean, skate- in a week. So skateboarding cannot feel good to your body the way you would have when you were 20 like 20 you take some bales you bruise your hip you turn your ankle like you you drink some water you get some ibuprofen like you're feeling fine the next day yeah and uh one of the first people i remember talking about this was andrew reynolds Mm -hmm. he he had this i can't remember if it was thrasher or transworld but just like a big article of being like yeah i mean i drink this much water i take vitamins i do this type of yoga for this many minutes a day to like keep his body able to do those things into his 30s yeah um like do you do you have like a routine do you have things like or are you do you just skate less like let like less like four hour sessions like what like how is your body handled skateboarding in your 30s yeah, well, it's a, the timing of this question is good because I, I had a, my board sponsor crew come up this weekend. So they're here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we skated every we skated all day, every day, which I hadn't done in a, in a while. Like I'm on a program now where I, I try to skate every day, but I'll get like an hour session at the park or like one or two days a week skating in the city or trying to film. But being on a like, all right, we're skating the park at 11 and we're skating spots till eight o'clock. Like, it's just that's fucking wears your body out. And I was like, my body was like hungover for like two days afterwards. So that that was that was just me hobbling around the last two days sore. But to answer your question in general, what I have learned. So I I don't know if you've looked into the uh, the little podcast patreon thing i do with um dr kyle brown he's a physical therapist great friend i grew up with and he's got me on a kick of just like really thinking smart about the kind of exercises you do off off the board and for me like what's really been a game changer is uh just dynamic stretching like so making sure i i don't start skating cold i don't stretch cold i don't do like static stretches as much and I just, if I'm going to start skating, I do a, a series of like leg swings and basically like activation stretches. Yeah. And that's been helping so much because I, I don't, I haven't been getting as many like nagging injuries that really can just ruin a, a trip or a, a day skating. They still happen, but that's been helping me avoid like those type of things. And there's also a series of just, you know, like, lightweight strengthening stuff I'll do with resistance bands and I'm not the best I don't like really do it all the time but if there is a day I'm not skating and I have like you know 20 minutes or 30 minutes I'll do do a little something do a little program work it into my day um there's dudes who are really good about it and I think what's interesting is just the idea of strengthening um on as a something you're doing off the board is becoming yeah, much su- more normal. supplementary exactly a supplementary strengthening program is like so beneficial and yeah i mean it's i've been just learning a lot from from kyle so we do we do this thing on patreon it's old friends fitness and every month we focus on a new on a specific injury and 
dive into what the rehab program is like for that and what just basically preventative stuff you can do to avoid those type of injuries. So if it's like Achilles tendinopathy and it's like a type of strength strengthening for your calves that you're doing or patellofemoral pain and activating like your muscles around the knee and we've like ankles obviously is a huge one for every huge one. they've all broke they've all sprained an ankle knock on wood hopefully you haven't but it's probably going to happen yeah and we have a program that like is a good you know get your ankle back to full strength and just a good program to be doing to, to keep your ankles strong if you're more susceptible to ankle sprains so i'm like i definitely wish i practiced more of what i've preached with what we're doing because i'm editing right. these videos and uh you know, editing all these podcasts and stuff and talking about it so much. And every time, every now and then I'm just a little guilty, like, damn, I should really do this one for a, <laughs> at least once a week. Cause it's good for those muscles that I feel like I'm not using as much. So I'm, I'm sort of all over the place with it. Like I'm a promoter of it and I want to see it. I don't quite get it as much as I should, but I also am just surprising myself with how much I'm skating and how much I'm still able to like jump down stuff and how much I'm still able to like, I don't know, kind of hang with, with my younger, with my younger self. So if I'm skating and I'm sore from that, I, I also feel like, damn, that was like a pretty serious workout too. So, oh yeah. <laughs> so, a, you know, it's a mixture that that's one of the things I realized is I, I just got done with a weight loss bet. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the things I realized, well, everyone knows this doing cardio is terrible. Like just doing, oh, yeah. whether it be, whether it be running, riding a Peloton, whatever, it's awful. It's not fun. Yeah. It's not engaging. Um, and it, it, to me, it also kind of feels like a waste of time because yeah. like I could be reading, I could like, it's, I, I, I prefer the bike cause you can do two things at once. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I realized is skateboarding is like this insanely efficient, calorie burning exercise. Like if I go, yeah. if I go skateboard for an hour and I have my Apple watch on, it'll be like 800 active calories or something, which Damn. is like, which is like, if I went, I couldn't even run for an hour. Like I would, I would at some point of running, I would just be like, I can't do this anymore. Like my knees yeah. hurt. I'm too tired. I'm too winded. But because skateboarding is like start and stop and it's, it's dynamic, yeah. right? It's like, right. I told, Sprints, I told someone pauses. Yeah. Yeah. I told someone the other day it was, it's like doing a hundred sprints and a hundred box jumps in an hour is what it feels yeah. like. Cause that's really yeah, yeah. about what it is. And which was just great because now I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm never going running again. Like I'm just going to keep skateboarding. That is so good to hear. Yeah. That is so good to know. Cause you, you could have this guilty self-conscious thing. Like, well, I'm not really exercising. I'm out here having fun. Like knowing that, you know, the evidence is there on your Apple watch is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. The last thing that I wanted to talk about was the impact that COVID-19 had on skateboarding. Mm -hmm. Cause again, very much being on the outside, like what, what little I get is, is through Instagram. So one, yeah. one of my, one of my first thoughts was it would be a great time if you were if back in April, if you had the ability to go film outside at all kinds of spots that were just sick bus like yeah. you know it there there's this one spot in kansas city that we always used to love to skate it's called barney alice plaza yeah. um which was like basically the dopest spot like cool stairs great ledges and everything but you really could only skate there for like five minutes at a time and then the security guard from the hotel across the street would come out and right. kick you out but i was thinking like oh you could just go there and no one would be around to kick yeah. you out um so i'm just kind of wondering what your experience was like and you know, what, what impact you saw it have on, on the activity? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we've all seen from the output of videos that, you know, street skating did not slow down this past year. Like people just went out there and took advantage of, of exactly what you're talking about. I was living in New York city at the time and oh, New York was rough. a little scary feeling in the beginning. And my, just because it was like, yep, you know, one of the epicenters and there was just so much unknown, so many deaths. It was just really freaky. And it just, there was something about being on an Island, like a, you know, congested city like that. And, and just all the, all the things. And so my wife's work shut down and we went to her hometown and basically just stayed there, stayed at her mom's house until October. So we left in March and stayed until yeah, the fall. And then we went back to the city. So I unfortunately didn't really get to take advantage of that. I did hear some from some of my friends on the ground that while there were a lot of 
spots that just became easier to skate because there was less people. A lot of those buildings that you dream of skating, they still have their security guard in there. And they still, you still kind of, that is, that's insane. That is insane to me. Yeah. Middle (laughs) of a global pandemic. There's still someone there to kick skateboarders out. It's it's really insane. Yeah. And and that goes to show like how much, I mean, that's New York city though. And some of those buildings, you know, I guess people just don't want to, they'll, they'll empty the building, but still keep someone there guarding it. So that's, that was kind of insane, but it def it definitely, there was a lot that opened up because of it. And I, I did get to take some advantage of it. There were a couple, I, I went back to the city a couple times and it was like, damn, we can escape here all day now. This is insane. Like, cause there's just, there's just no people walking. And um, that was, that was sick. But yeah, I, I mainly just enjoyed the, I, I was lucky to have a, an amazing skate park right next to, or not far away from where, where, my, where my wife grew up. And so I would just, skate the park a few times a week and just work on new tricks and just like I don't know try to I always I always like when I have you know if I'm lucky enough to have a skate park close just go and think like all right what new thing am I going to do today whether it's like a new technical manual trick or just a, a way of skating the park that I haven't done before like one of the big projects for me during quarantine was just figuring out how to how to flow transition switch which is just like so hard. I don't know if you mentioned so the transition hard. skater, but yeah, like people skate fakie transition a lot, you know, like the, the big dogs, they're kind of like positioned in the same, they're still regular. They're just going backwards. I was trying to figure out how to like really sit back and skate switch carving corners and bowls. And I didn't, very good, I didn't get very good, but I did get a little more confident hitting some, some coping and walls. So it could be something as simple as that. Like, I just want to learn. I just want to learn how to like, grind this wall switch front side and like you know spend the day so that the next time i go i can do it more naturally you can do it right on yeah yeah so that i mean yeah i i feel like there was a little bit of a like ooh missed opportunity but um i also like i don't know i wanted to be as safe as possible i have asthma and i just didn't want to get get covid if i didn't have to and even though skating is definitely an outdoor activity I will say I don't think the skate skaters. No, they don't give a the best shit. Example about proximity and keeping it, and I think there were a lot of low key, um, super spreader crews. <laughs> they might not talk about it, but they all like got it and gave it to each other, and just didn't really didn't you know didn't talk about it obviously, but yeah, most of them are young and they can bounce back, but. That is that is funny because I went to there's a skate park pretty close to my house and I went to I went uh probably like two or three months after it's like I want to get outside I want to do something and I was just like yeah. these dudes do not give a shit they're nah. <laughs> these are these <laughs> bros are just rolling deep they don't care um yeah. so I I ended up golfing a bunch during nice. the pandemic because you just have so you have so much space. space yeah, yeah yeah you're just out there you you can go by yourself like that's that's kind of what I ended up doing but got now i'm i'm vaccinated now it's uh it's, nice. it's a whole we're we're, all, we're starting to come out of it so yeah no i got um, vaccinated better too, it's it's i got vaccinated too and it's just such a relief like psychologically to have that done. for sure um and you know i'm hoping we're turning a corner and things will get back to normal my yeah we'll see though hopefully, we will hopefully um, so are you, are you working on a part right now? Do we, are we, uh, are we going to be blessed with a new Walker Ryan video part? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when it'll, it'll happen. Um, I'll probably put out a shared video part with Sibo Walker. He's uh, he rides for the company. I do old yeah. friends. And so we're talking about doing a, uh, Sibo Walker Ryan part, which could be kind of fun. Oh, that shared, is cool. Shared yeah. thing. It'll either be like a promo where we each have parts or just kind of like a shared part. He's in Portland now. I'm kind of all over the place for the next few months. And so, so we'll see, but, uh, that, and then there's a little sovereign project sovereigns, uh, Mikey Taylor's company that I ride for and we're going to be, yeah, hopefully doing like one or two more trips and then put something out. So I don't know if that'll be like a full length part, but it'll be, it'll be something, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's the the plan for skating. Yeah, very cool. Um, tell people actually tell people about old friends because I I neglected to mention that's where I ordered. Oh, the it's book. all good. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, old friends was basically something I started with some of my good friends. One of my good friends here and uh, who grew up in Napa with me, Chris Collins. He's an artist, graffiti guy, and 
he basically had like this little idea for a skate shop calling it old friends and we sort of pivoted it into making hats and he's just does great art all the most of the graphics we put out now um, on t-shirts and hats and whatever are his art and we just sort of expanded it from apparel into making kind of like fitness gear and rehab equipment and we've brought in my friend Kyle I mentioned who's a physical therapist so he's a part of it now and yeah that's like kind of what takes up most of my time because uh what we're doing with with Patreon is basically dropping something every week, weekly content. And it's just a lot of editing. Um, and yeah, it's all focused on kind of just being a little bit more fitness aware. And, you know, we want to just offer not an alternative to in-person rehab and fitness, but just something that you can supplement that with some at-home programs that, you know, can, can help you if you're dealing with some sort of skate related injury and really it can be anyone doesn't have to be skate related everyone deals with a lot of these tendonitis problems and ankle sprains or just general like warming up knowledge so yeah it's 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 kind of all over the place it's like a little brainchild that i get to just do whatever with so put out a put out a book let's sell it through old friends we do a little collab wine barrel skateboard let's put it out through old friends like we just yeah get to, we just get to have fun so, yeah. Cool. All right. So everyone check out that. Um, everyone order the book top of Mason. I will have a link to purchase that down below. Check out the podcast. And uh, if you are not intimately familiar with skateboarding, if you just search Walker Ryan on YouTube, you will get to see um, some of him, <laughs> him shredding it. And it will uh, hopefully provide you guys some context for this piece. And uh, we'll be back next week. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.